0: The weather seems to have been a little kinder this week and I've seen some combines turning. We will catch up with Chris Hewis from Club Hectare on this year's harvest later in the show and what does the future look like for the National Ploughing Championships?
1: Well the British National Ploughing Championships in October have been cancelled um, and unfortunately so have many of the local ploughing matches.
0: Plus we have the latest grain, agronomy and five day forecast for the week ahead week in
2: agriculture this is the farming program
0: well good morning yes it's ellie coddling with you this morning instead of steve who's taking a break for his holidays it's been a while since i've been on the show so it's great to be back now let's start with a look at the farming headlines Lincolnshire County Council and Lincolnshire Police are backing a new app that provides support to farm workers. The Farm Welfare app provides guidance to farmers and farm workers to help tackle exploitation. Farmers will be able to access practical information on licensed labour providers, document verification and the rights of workers. Plus, the app will provide information in eight different languages on employment rights. You can find out more and access the free app by searching for Farm Work Welfare in your app store. Scientific research aimed at developing new tools to diagnose bovine TB in cattle quicker has been given £500,000 of government funding. The programme run by DEFRA will fund scientific research projects using the latest technologies aimed at detecting infection faster in cattle herds. The European Regional Development Fund programme has some grants to help small and medium-sized businesses recover from the coronavirus crisis. The money will be administered by growth hubs led by the Local Enterprise Partnership, LEP, to help businesses access new technology, other equipment and financial, professional and legal advice. The government has released a video thanking farmers for keeping the nation fed during the coronavirus pandemic. The one-minute video was posted on Boris Johnson's official Facebook and Twitter pages. And on Wednesday, it's back British Farming Day. Now in its fifth year, it provides a focus to celebrate agriculture and its importance to the UK economy. This year, it gives farmers an opportunity to promote their commitment to high production standards. To find out more about how you can get involved, visit nfuonline.com. Now, with no village and county shows happening this year or local ploughing matches due to COVID-19, how is this going to affect the National Ploughing Championships? Andy Marsh caught up with Sue Frith, the chief executive of the Society Ploughman, to find out what is the plan going forward. Well, the British National Ploughing Championships
1: in October have been cancelled um, and unfortunately so have many of the local ploughing matches all over the country.
3: Presumably that's purely down to COVID-19.
1: It is, yes. Um, Obviously, health and safety of of everyone involved um, is the the priority. And I think some are struggling to get volunteers to to actually organise it as well.
3: So, although there have been some socially distanced ploughing matches, it is so difficult that perhaps most people in Lincolnshire haven't bothered to do this?
1: I I would think so. There are some matches going ahead. Um, I'm not quite sure if there are in Lincolnshire. Um, or wearing Lincolnshire, and, and the ones that are later in the year, in October and, and November, they, they're they sort of waiting a little bit longer before they make a decision to, to cancel.
3: Are there any financial implications to the fact that these aren't taking place as they would have done under normal circumstances?
1: Well, yes, because, you know, all the ploughing societies, they're all non-profit making, so, um, and they also raise money for charities, a lot of them, so a lot of them aren't getting their own little bit of income and they're not able to to give charities um, donations.
3: Does that mean the usual ploughing championships that take place uh, locally, nationally, does it mean that's all out of the window completely for this year?
1: Um, No, as I say, there there are a few that are going ahead. Um, They're going ahead usually with maybe a limit on the number of ploughmen who can enter or they're not having spectators there Um, You know, but they they all have to adhere to the latest government guidelines and also whatever uh, the advice is from their local authorities.
3: You mentioned about spectators. I mean, obviously, every ploughing match is different. But, I mean, how many would you tend to get for a big, major ploughing match? Do you have a lot of people there?
1: Oh, yes. At the the National Ploughing Championships, which, as I say, we move around the country each year and we were in Nocton near Lincoln last year... um, we can have anything between eight to ten thousand, up to eighteen or no, twenty thousand. You know, it's, but that is the biggest I think in the country.
3: And what's the reason for having plowing matches? Is it just a, a bit of a sort of a competitive element, or there are certain things that um, mean that it's necessary or preferential to actually have plowing matches?
1: Well, it's keeping the art and skill of plowing alive. Um, you know, the, the bigger tractors that are on farms now tend to. Uh, Whiz up and down, and GPS keeps them straight. Um, so it, it's keeping the skill that has has gone on for hundreds of years. They keep it alive, um, and also the the local champions can come onto the national ploughing championships, and then they win places through the world ploughing contests and European ploughing contests. So they can be the the best in the world.
3: So there's quite a lot of history and heritage to it.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, ploughing matches started originally. Um, with local landowners, you know, um, just talking between themselves, seeing which one had the best ploughman. That, that was would have been 17, 18 hundreds, you know, with the the horse plough.
3: Now, I gather there is a national champion. Is it the case that this year there won't be anybody crowned national champion because there are not enough taking place?
1: That's right. There, there won't be a national champion this year. National champions from, from last year will be going to next year's world and european plowing contest but next year there is a there are two world plowing contests because this year should be in russia that's cancelled to june and then the one that was originally planned for september in the republic of ireland is still going ahead so we may have to have a, a small sort of selection match to choose someone to to represent england in in that one in september
3: Some of the competitors who aren't able to actually take part in these at the moment because of uh, Covid-19, are there certain things that they can do to sort of keep their skills intact whilst we sort of wait for things to get back to normal and ploughing matches to restart? If
1: they've got lucky enough to have some land or a friend with some land, quite often they'll just um, tinker about and and have a little bit of practice on their own land and and they get in the workshop and try and make the ploughs better. But unfortunately, the ones who don't have land, there's not a lot they can do other than looking for the the few that are going ahead or or any training days or anything.
3: And finally, let's look to the future. It's difficult to say, but what do we feel is likely to happen? Is it that a lot of them won't be taking place this year and you look to next year, or are there certain other plans in place?
1: I think if it carries on as as, as it is, I think a lot of them won't be taking place this year. But as I said, the ones that, are taking place in, in October and November, they're they're waiting as long as they can to make a decision if to go ahead or not. I think if, if they possibly can, they will.
3: And presumably, preparations will be in place for next year.
1: Oh, definitely. We're going to come back bigger and better.
0: Thank you, Sue. And to see where and if any poem matches are still going ahead, you can visit theploughman.co.uk it's time for our latest agronomy update from Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Morning Sean
2: Yes a very very good morning to you Ellie nice to talk to you, even more so because you seem to have brought some decent weather with you, since you took over the farming programme from Steve a week ago, the rain stopped, the sun came out, the temperatures have increased, the wind's blown, things have dried and we've managed to get a bit more of what is becoming a very forgettable harvest 2020 in the shed we have to get what we get, yields are all over the place, quality is all over the place i've never known so much disruption from the weather so if the last seven days where there's anything to go by perhaps we should be getting you in the diary for the first of august to the 15th of september in perpetuity because if this is what ellie codlin weather is i'd much rather have this than that steve orchard weather that we've been having for the last few weeks still plenty of harvest out there in the field to get and still plenty of complicated weather to come i ended up with 83.8 millimeters of rain in august that's the wettest i've ever experienced I've never seen so many problems with brackling in barley, shedding winter wheat germinating in the ear of wheat there have been some positives, there will be some lessons to learn, if you grow spring oats again and you've grown them this year, you'll have learned that once they're getting ready for combining, you need to get the combine out and get them in the shed, because if you've got a standing crop of spring oats that's fit for combining and it gets a gale force wind across it nearly all of those oats drop on the floor, very little gets up in the combine tank and you end up with what is either a very expensive or very cheap cover crop sitting in there in the stubble depending on your point of view So quality has been seriously affected across the county, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. Negatively in terms of malting barley. If you've got a low yield of malting barley, there's no dilution of the grain nitrogen, which means there are the chances that you're going to lose it for malting and it won't make a malting sample because of that non-dilution of the nitrogen in the grain. But on the other side of that coin, if you've got milling wheat that's got a lower yield, that concentration of nitrogen in the grain means you probably will get it away with a milling premium. So you just never know what you're going to get. Don't count your chickens, but also don't write these crops off. Get them sent away, get them tested, um, because until those results come back, you really won't know what you're dealing with. Spring beans, pre-harvest applications of glyphosate going on. Remember when most of the pods are black, you do have that off-label approval for seed crops for carfentosone ethyl or spotlight. But as I said last week, just check the wording, check with your um, advisor and make sure you're okay putting that on, because if it doesn't go for seed, you might struggle to to get rid of them if it's been treated with carfentrazone ethyl. And as I wander across these fields, rubbing open the pods and looking at the beans, I'm really not seeing the levels of brookid beetle that were apparent this time last year. So I've got my fingers crossed that it's going to be a good year in terms of lack of brookid beetle damage and that we can get some of these crops away for human consumption because that makes a big difference to the gross margin and how much money you make out of them. There's a lot of beans out there. So if we've had a low year of brookid, that may well bring a few quid in, which we're going to need it to do in a season like this. In fact, thinking about it, the only pest that I think we haven't had a problem with this year has been silver moth in sugar beet. So every cloud, eh? second fungicides going on sugar beet as we said last week but again don't do it out as, as a routine if the crop is going to be harvested late if you're seeing rust and mildew and cercospora moving back into the crop then yeah there is a justification for putting on multiple fungicides but if you braid it four weeks ago and you're going to lift it in four weeks time you really have to question whether you can justify putting that expense on because i don't think you're going to get it back again this is something you need to talk through with your advisor and make sure that you're not Spoiling the ship for a heap of the tar, but by the same token, you're not just throwing money at something in the knowledge that you're not going to get that money back. So oilseed rape, which has been drilled, we're starting to see the first signs of cabbage stem flea beetle. Very, very little. Haven't had to spray anything as yet. Very, very little activity. But I think the course of this next seven days we'll see whether it's going to be a massive issue at this time of the year. We've seen it at this time of the year before. A couple of years ago, it was around the 5th to the 7th of September they hit. So keep your eyes peeled and do, as I said last week, manage your expectations when it comes to pyrethroid control of cabbage stem flea beetle. You may want to go after dark but the most important thing is that you actually hit the adult. The inclusion of a non-ionic surfactant with a pyrethroid can help, but all of these things are relative. You know, it, it's targeting the adult and, and taking as many of them out as you possibly can with a well-timed pyrethroid, while all the time understanding that that pyrethroid is not going to give you a particularly good result in 90% of the cases. So a good, well-established vigorous crop is the best defence against cabbage stem flea beetle. The other thing we are seeing in all-seed rape at the moment is a marked increase in slug activity particularly on the heavy land but not exclusively so get your bait traps out, get your slug traps out, your layers mash under a tile, monitor them carefully and treat if you need to and if they're causing significant damage to the growing crop remember you've two options, you've metaldehyde and you've got ferrous phosphate, metaldehyde you should not be using within 10 metres of any watercourse, shouldn't be using it on the headlands anyway Um, and you have a maximum dose, you can only go up to 7 kilos, 210 10 grams of active ingredient between the 1st of August and the 31st of December you're probably better to go with the ferrous phosphate they do the same job but these slugs are not the large grey field slugs we're used to they're not a centimetre long they're between one and three millimetres long and they're only just starting so be very very alert and get out there and have a look and get your slug traps out. So that's it from me, not wishing to tempt fate, but I would guess that over the course of the next seven days, there will be somebody in Lincolnshire who drills a field a wheat. Let's talk a bit more about that next week and see what the next seven days bring.
0: Well, I'll do my very best to keep the rain at bay. Thank you, Sean. Coming up shortly, we'll be finding out more how this year's harvest is looking and we'll be hearing from Kit Dickinson with the Grain Report, plus the five-day forecast.
3: in agriculture this is the farming program
0: as we well know the weather has been very unkind throughout the growing season this year and hasn't helped with gathering the harvest in either chris hewis chairman of club hectare joins us to give an overview of harvest but first if you haven't heard of club hectare chris explains a little more about who they are
4: so club hectare is um, a twitter-based or online-based social media group uh, mainly farmers but anybody who wants to get involved. So we just contact each other and chat on Twitter, and occasionally meet up, in, in, inclusive of all sorts of people in all, all walks of life, really, sharing uh, you know best practice and, and ideas and tips and advice. You know, if there's something that somebody doesn't know, there's there's always somebody in the group who who has experienced it can um, help in one way or another. The stressful year we've all had, uh, been in contact with each other and has been great for mental health on people who are finding themselves alone in in this industry.
0: How has the growing season and the harvest gone then through this terrible year of weather?
4: So the harvest has been um, affected really in the way that um, the, the crops that were planted were either struggled to establish last autumn or were not even planted. So that meant that the, uh, the crops are late. And then the, the um, barley and wheat that was planted in the spring this year, some of it germinated some of it didn't because it was a a, a drought conditions so we've got basically two crops growing in the same field in in many fields where there's late and early plants in the same field and and I'm seeing posts from members all around the country saying the same thing and then comes to harvest time which is late and then the weather's taking a turn for the worse again so I'm seeing people with showing pictures of, of barley crops that have laid flat and their heads have fallen off you know the wheat crops. The wind last Friday, the storm that came through last Friday and, and continued over till the, the weekend down this east coast, it really battered the wheat crops that were ready. So the the grains have fallen out or the heads have fallen off. Yeah, witnessed that when I was out on a walk last weekend and I'm seeing lots of pictures from Twitter of all this.
0: What's the quality and quantity like? I haven't got any statistics,
4: but what I'm seeing from, from all the posts that I'm seeing and the feedback I'm getting, across the board yields are down yields are down, I would say just looking at some of the figures that people have posted maybe an estimate of twenty five percent, that's the yield and the quality. People are telling me now that the, the barley um, has pre germinated. That's because it's had it's still in the ear, but it's had warm, humid wet, dry conditions and it's ideal for it to grow again so it's sprouting before it's been harvested.
0: Is this the case throughout the country or has Lincolnshire been better or worse on average UK wide?
4: Well I think as far as yields concerned, what I'm seeing is it's across the board, it's nationwide, but there's a huge disparity this year in timing So, you know, in the south people have been finished harvest now for a couple of weeks. In the north we've got growers who have hardly started or maybe just been starting now due to to both the weather and the fact that the crops are later. So it's, it's not an even picture anywhere across the country.
0: Finally, the big question regarding withdrawing from the European Union. Obviously, negotiations are still taking place and we don't know exactly what it will look like. But what's your best guess in how cropping will alter going forward?
4: It's impossible to say. You'd need a very, very high spec um, crystal ball, I think, to know what's going to happen. Even the politicians don't know. But if, if it's going to affect, if the tariffs are going to affect the, the markets for our export, that will, that will have a big impact what um, farms in this country grow. You know, we, we have to grow what's needed for our local mills and our um, local markets then. There's a huge crop of spring barley in the country this year um, you know because people couldn't plant the crops last autumn and so that was the sort of go to crop there's a, there's a huge amount of barley being harvested this year and and far more than the market requires so that will be a, a challenge and um, now that the quality uh, is reducing as the crops are still in the field so we've got this sprouting and we've got the nitrogen level they're quite high it will be interesting to see what the, the end user does with that and the brewers and malt and whether they adjust their requirement to to take some of this um, massive crop that we're
0: harvesting. Thanks, Chris. Now, how will all that affect the grain prices? Kit Dickinson from Openfield joins us now with the latest.
5: Good morning. US has taken a breather from its recent rally earlier in the week and is lower, broadly on profit-taking as US wheat now sits at four-month highs. US maize is similarly quiet, as the updated ethanol data showed in the drop in production. Weekly export data showed that US maize values have now risen by 11%. The production concerns on wheat that US markets are reacting to are based on lower EU yields, lower Argentine production, and now a more optimistic feel to their own export possibilities. Wheat is being supported by the recent upturn in maize, which, although was quiet earlier in the week, now sits at four-month highs. Note that EU maize estimates are being cut. Ukrainian maize is the source that is likely to come to us. Looking closer to home in the Lincolnshire area, there is still wheat to be cut, and the recent rains on Wednesday evening put a stop to harvesting again for a couple of days. If there is a clear weather window next week, we may not have much left to cut in 10 days' time. Sample results continue to be processed and continue to show a wide spread. Finding the right home for your grain this year is going to be key in order to make the most out of what you have. Grain has been harvested at high moistures in the last week and it is vital that samples are taken after drying in order to make sure the grain is being stored at the right moisture and temperature before being loaded out. Oilseed rape. Rape markets remain relatively quiet plodding along at a slow pace, mostly waiting for era of demand to come back to the market. Oilseed rape has not been helped this week by a stronger pound which is likely to be the key factor in the OSR price changing going forward. But looking at barley, barley prices remain relatively stagnant with combines rolling again in Lincolnshire this week. Quality, I'm afraid, is now not great, but don't assume this will help malting premiums. A couple of weeks ago, when the first lower quality samples started to appear, I thought this would help the malting premiums. But the Scottish crop is now predicted to be 25% cut, and so far quality is good with low nitrogens. There are currently inquiries from Molsters about the potential of bringing in some Scottish barley into East Anglia via either King's Lynn or Lowtoft. The barley is available, albeit not in the right place, and the physical demand is lower. Premiums could struggle to rally as a consequence of this. Prices this week feed wheat for September is 165 to 167, November 168 to 170, February 171 to 173, May 174 to 176. The milling wheat premiums currently stand at twenty-five pounds. Oilseed rope for September is three hundred and twenty-four to three hundred and twenty-six. November three hundred and twenty-nine to three hundred and thirty-two. February three hundred and thirty-two to three hundred and thirty-four. And May twenty-one three hundred and thirty-five to three hundred and thirty-seven. Feed barley for September is one hundred and twenty-two to one hundred and twenty-four. November one hundred and twenty-four to one hundred and twenty-six. February one hundred and twenty-seven to one hundred and twenty-nine. May 21, 130 to 132. And malting premiums are currently 10 to £12. Pounds.
0: Thanks very much, Kit.
3: The Farming Programme. Five-Day Forecast
0: general overview it looks like we should be in for a reasonably dry week but here's the detail for today we can expect a gentle westerly breeze with gusts in the low teens mile per hour and around a millimeter of rain this afternoon top temperature is 17 degrees celsius and lows of seven degrees tonight on monday will be cloudy but dry day with a moderate westerly breeze and cloudy overnight top temperature of 19 degrees celsius dipping to 13. Tuesday will be mainly cloudy but with sunny intervals and a moderate breeze with gusts up to 20 miles per hour from a south-south westerly direction, another dry day with a top temperature of 21 degrees and partially cloudy overnight with a low of 14 degrees. Wednesday is a similar day to Tuesday with sunny intervals, a moderate breeze, and wind gusting up to 18 to 20 miles per hour from a northwesterly direction by the afternoon. Top temperatures around 21 degrees Celsius and partially cloudy overnight with lows of 11 degrees. Thursday should be dry with sunny intervals in the morning but cloudier by the afternoon with a light breeze. Top temperature around 18 degrees Celsius and lows of 12 overnight and by Friday we may see some rain early morning but a mainly sunny cloudy day with a temperature around 16 degrees. So all in all, hopefully more harvesting can crack on next week uh, with a bit more drier weather. Well that's it for this week. Don't forget Back British Farming Day on Wednesday. I will be back with you again next week where we'll be looking at rural education now the children are back to school and more updates surrounding harvest. This show will also be available as a podcast on the website, through the app or wherever you get your podcasts from. So until then, have a very good week.